You're listening to Creed and Deed, a podcast discussing biblical truth and its application to everyday life. Hey, we're on with the Creed and Deed. This is Rob Lindley and Tim Hare. We're taking these ancient truths and bringing them to everyday life. We're taking the creed of the truths of the scriptures and put them into every single day application. Tim Hare, my brother, how are you today, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, up in Kansas City uh, doing this podcast from the Mathena Student Center. Shout out to Midwestern again. Midwestern. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, excited. Got our, to, got our sponsorship yet uh, with Midwest? Working on it. I'm working Good. on it. Good. Hey, uh, Tim. You know we're gonna we're gonna take a uh, hiatus from our audio commentary and uh, the Book of Genesis this week. I know that uh, you are extremely into the politics, the cultural issues, the SBC, all of those things. I'm more of a uh, backseat kind of guy. I like. Uh, to stick to my family, the scriptures, and uh, and uh, what I know best, which is uh, preaching the word. So you you you're going to lead this discussion today. I'll have some comments for you, but we are uh, going to discuss some some in depth things and maybe some things that are hard to understand. And uh, hopefully, our listeners are going to be able to get some insights, see what the cultural issues are, and how we address them as the church tim talk to us yeah well first don't get it wrong you may not uh you may not be plugged in as much with the issues going on but whenever we talk you uh you definitely have your opinions on the issues <laughs> once we get going so uh uh but yeah we thought it would be good um since we've uh, recorded our last episode i think we recorded it right as the convention was going on uh and then uh we're sitting now about two weeks after the convention and just a lot of things came out of there. I was, I'll just, you know, put it on the table. I was encouraged with a lot of the things that came out of the convention. Um, for some people, you know, that if you're following various social media outlets or certain, uh, high profile people, um, you might disagree with that. And you might think, uh, the SBC is drifting in a liberal direction, uh, as one, group of people want to want to say I, I don't think that's the case and so but I wanted to talk about it um talk to people um from my previous church and just other people that that are you know have some concerns and so wanted I thought it would be good for us to uh just speak into what our thoughts are on the issues so um right now if you didn't know our uh, our convention is is very much uh divided in a lot of ways uh it's very polarized um and it's polarized so much on um i, I mean there, there is it, it may be polarized on some uh theological stances but it's much more pol polarized as far as politics goes and in how we uh address uh cultural issues and so um one of the one of the big big things that people um that were following the convention or were at, were at the convention 
was there was um there's issues surrounding um uh women in ministry uh particularly uh women uh as as pastors and so one of the uh a, a well-known figure in uh well not just baptist life really he's probably known much more beyond baptist life is a guy named rick warren who's pastored at saddleback church in california for a long time uh uh, I believe he planted that church, um, grew to be one of the largest churches, uh, really in the nation, just, you know, humongous written books, purpose-driven life, purpose-driven church read by, uh, tens of millions of people worldwide. So very prominent individual. Well, his church, uh, last year made, uh, the headlines because they, uh, ordained, uh, women as, as, as pastors, um, as as leaders in various capacities within their church. Um, now, if you know SBC doctrine and you're familiar with our Baptist faith and message, uh, we, as a uh, convention, have agreed that we take what's called a complementarian stance, uh, which is um, women are are equal to men as far as in, in value, and they're both image bearers of God. Uh, but that there are certain roles that are delineated to men only, one of those being uh, the office of pastor. And so just wanted to, I wanted to read what our uh, statement of faith says. Um, uh, Baptist Faith Message, this is under section 6 regarding the church. It says, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. So um, that's, that's the, that's the doctrine. That's, that's the statement that, that we have uh, put forth in the Baptist faith and message 2000 that we have adhered to. Now here's where it comes to the question and Rick and, Warren. And if, is, and if people are wondering where in scripture <clears throat> this, this idea comes from, you can cite first uh, Timothy two. Yeah. Um, you can cite first Timothy three, you can cite Genesis one and two, uh, you know, continue, continue. Yeah. As far as for the, no, 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 no. Good. And as far as for the office of pastor, first Timothy two, that's the big one. Uh, that's where, where Paul, uh, instructs Timothy. I do not permit a woman to have authority over a man. Um, Mm -hmm. and it seems to be in the context of the local church. So, so, so looking at pastoral church, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Rick Warren was given kind of a point of privilege from, uh, the president, which was Ed Litton. Um, Rick Warren came in, he didn't have credentials, so he really, um, by, by rules was, shouldn't have been allowed to talk, but it, it was kind of a, uh, uh, last rites type of thing where if, you know, we chose to disfellowship his church, which is what was coming to the floor, um, it was allowing him to kind of you know, give his defense. And so he wrote what was called the, uh, his love letter, uh, to the SBC. And, you know, he, in that letter, he basically just looked at all of the, the fruit quote unquote of, um, of his ministry. And, and I agree he's, there's a lot of fruit. I know a lot of people that, uh, those, his, his books and stuff have helped, have helped them in their kind of spiritual trajectory. And, um, so I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that, but, but what, Rick Warren 
does, and Rob, this is where I want to get your thoughts, is he differentiates um, between the act of pastoring and the role of pastor. So, so what he would say is that, yes, we ordained these women as pastors, but they are only pastors of these specific ministries. We have a whole elder board uh, that's just men that, um, uh, that are actually, you know, the big decision makers of the church. Now, it's interesting because Saddleback just, uh, just hired a, a new pastor to take Rick Warren's place. Um, and it's going to be, they're going to be co-pastors, he and his wife, and his wife is called the teaching pastor. Uh, and so, uh, and she will be, you know, preaching on Sunday mornings and things like that. Uh, so Rob, what, what, yeah. what are your thoughts about that as far as, is there, do you see a difference in, um, the act of pastoring versus the office of pastor? So really the question that you're asking, I believe is, is shepherding, pastoring, shepherding, is it a gift a woman can have recognized in the church? I guess I guess that's what that's what Rick Warren is trying to delinquish between a elder office of an elder and the gift of a pastor shepherd um, that's gifted towards a woman. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think. I think for me the first the first thing I would say is is Titus 2 from a positive standpoint uh we see in scripture that women are to be teachers they are to teach other women uh how to be a a good wife how to how to disciple and grow in the Lord how to walk with their God um, this is this is clearly seen in in Titus chapter two, um, uh, and and um, it says here, older women likewise are be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves. Much wine. Um, they are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own. Husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So there is a teaching ministry in the church for women. Um, We're not saying that they cannot teach, uh, that we're not saying that they should not teach. But there's a clear distinction between men and women in the church in the roles in which God has given to them in the home and in the church. And those roles are God-given by the Lord. And, you know, we, when we try to uh, place our cultural um, thoughts above how God has designed things, we tend to um, get ourselves into trouble. And so, um, you know, when we think of the role of a woman, we ought to think of it as beautiful, as holy, as wonderful. Um, we ought to think of that as something that should be exclaimed as, um, you know, something that we ascribe to be um, if you're a woman. And 
you know, what, what, what we are doing ultimately in our culture today, Tim, is we are trying to say that a woman is not good enough, that they ultimately have to become a man to be considered good enough. And a man is ultimately having to become a woman to be considered good enough and vice versa. And so really it's, 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 it's getting us to a point to where um, the transgender idea is brought about by the culture because of this desire to be the opposite sex. And um, for women, that's, you know, wanting to lead the church. Um, That desire to lead God's church, to be a pastor, to do those things um, for a woman is, is ultimately against what the Lord has set up. And and in the same way, a man desiring to be a woman, um, in 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 the roles that he has set up in the household for a woman, or in the church for a woman, a man desiring to be that, um, you know, is is against how God has designed it, and as a result, <clears throat> there's going to be confusion. Uh, there's going to be a confusion of. Um, uh, in the household, there's going to be a confusion in the household of God and the results will be plenty. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, churches that decide to go against the word of God in this area, will have to face the Lord and, um, there'll be a lot of, of confusion, um, as we move forward. So let me ask you this question, Rob. Do you think that Saddleback Church should be disfellowshipped from the SBC? Uh, you know, I think I think that's I think we're getting into now. You know, how do you um, how do you organize the church as a whole? Right? There's no um, there's no real statements on this as as far as how Paul handled it um you know with the Corinthian church um is he 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 spoke he spoke to them and 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 basically said you're out of line get in line and uh yeah. i think that um this committee that's been put together to to talk to Saddleback ought to say to Saddleback i want you to review the scriptures and here are the points, and here is where we find ourselves, and we are against you. Mm-hmm. And just like Paul would say to the Corinthian church, we, I'm not going to sugarcoat what you have been doing. These are the things that you need to change. And you know, at some point, if they choose not to change that, um, then we will. Uh, we will have to go to the next step, which is, you know, figuring out um, if this is a, if this is, if this is where the, the uh, denomination wants to go. And I don't think it does. So ultimately so, I think it will. Yeah. Well, let to, me, it will lead let me say to a, 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 a distancing ourselves from Saddleback and ultimately a, a, a split. Yeah. So let me share just a a few thoughts that make this difficult. 
Um, I know that there are some people that would say we just should have disfellowshipped them immediately. Um, well, here's here's one of the problems. One, that's not Matthew know, eighteen though. The right, that's not Matthew eighteen. But this was this was brought up. This was brought up a year ago, so it's been a, it's been a while. Sure. Uh, but here here's some of the issues. One, Long our suffering. our churches our churches are not structured in any shape or fashion like the New Testament church. It's very different. So the idea that we have staff, the idea that we have, you know, we have a, you know, there's no, there's, there's no concept of youth pastor or children's pastor uh, or any type of associate pastor or executive pastor or worship pastor. There's, there's none of those within the, the, what we see in, uh, in the scriptures. Now, does that mean that we're wrong for having those? I, I don't think so. I think the, the Bible speaks uh, descriptively on things where, it, hey, this is describing this church in this context, um, uh, where or, or it prescriptively tells you like this is what you need to do, and then in you know Acts and in the epistles, it's describing churches, and so there's certainly things where Paul prescribes, hey, I want churches to do this, uh, preach the word, and um, and so so one we got to work th- understand that that our just whole church structure, uh, just the very f- fact that we have church buildings, right? Like, uh, that's not a, that's not a new Testament concept. So how do we, how, what, what is, you know, how do we deal with that? The other thing is that churches have gotten very, uh, uh, just, um, with, with how we label things. And so, you know, there's, there's kind of been a, in our, in our church, you have, for most Southern Baptist church, you have your senior pastor. He's your, you know, lead pastor, main guy. And then under him are staff and you've got associate pastor, executive pastor, uh, youth pastor and, and, and children's pastor. Well, what, what's kind of can get confusing like that is we have, and, and you and I could just list a whole bunch of churches where, uh, the, that, that what's what we're calling a pastor role in the church, a youth pastor is filled by a woman. And so, uh, are we going to, are we going to turn around and say, okay, well, we're going to disfellowship all of those churches because, uh, they have a a woman who's, 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 and she may have not been ordained and she's not a senior pastor. Um, and so I think we have some terminology that's confusing. Um, the other thing, uh, from an SBC standpoint is that we, uh, we don't have, we have this document, the Baptist Faith of Message 2000, but we don't have what, what you know, theologians have a, what's called a, a, a triage of doctrines, meaning you have uh, first tier doctrines, uh, you know, doctrine of scripture, doctrine of, you know, uh, uh, the deity of Christ, justification by faith alone, uh, tr- the Trinity, things that, um, these are doctrines that if, that if you don't agree with this, then, then we, 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 uh, see you as, as at the very least heretical or, or an unbeliever. Then you have, uh, second tier doctrines, and these are going to be doctrines that, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to go to that church because I strongly disagree with what they're, with this position that they're taking, but it's not salvific. It's not a, it's not an eternal doctrine. Uh, and so I would put, that's where I would put, um, um, you know, egalitarians of people that would, would say, Hey, a woman could be a pastor. I would say, yeah, I strongly disagree with that. Um, but I think you can still be a follower of Jesus and have that position. 
And then you have third tier doctrines that are, you know, where we can be, go to church together and fellowship together and, and, and serve together and have these disagreements. Uh, this is where I put things like um, Calvinism. This is where I put things like um, end times views. Um, and so uh, we don't have a triage of our doctrines within the uh, Baptist faith and message, right? So, so, so what doctrines are the most important? Um, I've kind of worked out my own personal triage, but, you know, is, is egalitarianism, is, is a woman pastor, is that, you know, maybe some people have that as a third tier. Rick Warren has that as a third tier doctrine. Is that a, is that a second tier or a third tier? Um, and, and, and by the way, there are, uh, you know, most people who embrace an egalitarian viewpoint and have women pastors, they, most of them have gone full on progressive liberal uh, and they've just, you know, embraced LGBTQ uh, people that, you know, you can, they've just, the whole thing, they've just embraced it all. But there are a few um, egalitarians who remain um, theologically conservative in, in every other aspect. Um, probably the most, the most prominent one is a guy by the name of Gordon Fee. He's a New Testament scholar. Uh, very conservative, has written a number of commentaries in, in conservative commentaries, um, but he's a egalitarian, and uh, his argument is that um, he treats the First Timothy two passage. Uh, he treats that passage like a, um, you know, like a First Corinthians passage where where uh, Paul instructs the the women to keep their heads covered. Well, Rob, does your wife go to church with her head covered? Well, I, I would I would argue the head covering is is the long hair, Tim. In that okay, passage. well, but that's but that's your interpretation, right? That's your interpretation, that's my interpretation. Right? But I that's your argue, interpretation. I would argue right. No, 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 no. I, I agree, but there's but there's but there's but there's, but there's a lot of there's a lot of people who don't agree with that. There, there's a lot of people that don't. That's an interpretation, uh, or or a text of look like a woman, or or a text that says that women shouldn't wear jewelry, right? And again, and we say, well, the, we. These things are um, these things are are transgender issues, right? Like these are gender issues that that even the church in that day was discussing. Even in the church in that day was discussing hair long, short. What should you look like as a woman? What should you wear? What should what should you not wear? How should you handle yourself as a man? How should you handle yourself as a woman? How do you handle yourself within the church? Right, as a right. woman and as a man, I, you know, I know, but Rob, and, I, and Rob, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I agree with your interpretation of first of First Corinthians. I think it's seven. Um, but the problem is, if someone who doesn't, um, if someone who 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 doesn't agree with you, uh, do you think that that's grounds for disfellowshipping them? So that, you, well, that, in other words, what I'm just trying to do is build the tension for people to realize why the SBC and why um, the, 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 why there, there was pause and it was, okay, look, if we choose to disfellowship this church and make this stance on this thing, we are opening a very big can of worms that we're not, we're not structured right now to be able to do this well. And if we do right. it, 
we need to make sure we do it well. That's that's the only thing I want people to understand is this is not the SBC saying, okay, we wanna we wanna embrace women as pastors. I don't know hardly anybody in the SBC whatsoever that's prominent that is arguing for that or wanting that. But when you Rick understand Warren, the issues, right? Well, Rick Warren, but I, I wouldn't even say he's a prominent SBC figure. He's 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 kind of he's kind of bigger than the SBC. <laughs> um he, he's he's not right. he's not active in SBC things whatsoever. Um, he, he gave a million dollars to Southwestern so they could build their portico at their at their seminary. <laughs> that's, that's what he did. Um, but but anyway, it, it's it, but what I want our listeners to get is just understand kind of the tension that's there. There's a whole lot of issues in in trying to figure out okay how do we how do we govern our churches that you know are out of line here so you know we're gonna we're gonna disfellowship them over this church that has a woman pastor well what about uh what about churches that don't practice uh the lord's supper the way that the um baptist faith and message outlined like uh you know the baptist faith and message has a pretty like members of the church only uh should take the lord's supper well if, if you're a church that says hey if you're a believer we welcome you here uh, should we just fellowship you? Yeah, so, and I think, and I think that's part of how the SBC is put together. Tim is here is our faith and message. If you don't agree to this, then you need to remove yourself from Southern Baptist camp. Uh, that's that's kind of how it's been in the past, and that's that's why there's no team i guess if you will of of kicking people out is because people that choose to not adhere to the baptist faith and message kind of kick themselves out um as far as the church and in the way that, that that they go uh i don't know rick warren's stance on where his church is at this time or what he wants to do i, I didn't hear that his his quote or his love letter to the church but but as far as the SBC is concerned, they need to stand their ground. And they need to bring back to Rick Warren a remark uh, from their committee saying, you know, we denounce this and this is not an SBC. Um, this is against the Baptist faith and message. We want Rick to to, to look at the Bible clearly and, and see what the scripture says and and uh, and and have a have a time of in which his elders seriously consider um, what what they're doing, and then and then his elders can make the determination that we we are against the SBC, and uh, if that's the case, then they need to they need to remove themselves. But as far as I'm concerned, it's really more about what we believe rather than how we get people to believe what we believe. I think I think I think the SBC really needs to make a clear statement of what we believe here and why Rick Warren's church is against what we believe according to the scriptures and according to the texts of scriptures and then allow that statement to 
be the benchmark for other churches to either come to that statement or not. And and at, at the end of the day, if a church wants to hire pastors who are women, uh, then they need to know that they're going against um, what we believe as the word of God. Yeah. And I don't know that we need to be kicking people out and, and making sure and be the policeman to make sure that everybody's doing what the SPC Faith 2000 says. I'm not sure that that's the route we want to go. Neither do we need to go. I think you make it clear what we believe. And if others want to leave over that issue, then then that's their prerogative. As far as women pastors is concerned, um, you know, I think I think. I think Paul makes it abundantly clear um, that that in creation and roots it back into creation that there are roles in which God has set up and ordained, and when we mess with those roles, um, uh, like in the Garden of Eden, um, that uh, what will happen as a result is is we will fall under. Um, under the authority and power of the enemy rather than the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I, I think I would uh, maybe push back just a little bit in um, saying it's not our prerogative uh, to disfellowship churches uh, because then you can it can lead to having churches that are claiming to be SBC but that are believing uh, really wrong doctrines. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's a good thing. I think what needs to happen is we need to have, hopefully, and this is what this committee is going to do, that they're going to look at the Baptist faith and message, they're going to look at the scriptures, and they're going to come to a conclusion on, okay, what are the doctrines from here that we're saying, you've got to agree with these doctrines, and if you don't agree, uh, then we're gonna we're we're asking you to 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 depart. Mm. Um, if because again, I'll I'll just you know I mentioned earlier, but you know the Lord's Supper issue. I would say I don't know if it's a majority, but I would say a lot of our Baptist churches are not in line, do not practice it. I, I didn't really. I, it's not wasn't that I was. I actually had an intention one way or the other, the way I just have always phrased it. If you're a genuine believer in Christ and we welcome you at the table. So by that stance, a Presbyterian could take it, a, a, you know, a Methodist who's a, who's a believer could, could, could partake of it. Um, but that's not in line with our, with our, with the Baptist faith of message 2000. So, yeah. you know, and should I'm, I be I'm disfellowship? And I'm going to push back on this discussion with you a little bit. Here Good. Because, because, <clears throat> While I hear you and understand that fully, one of the things of the Baptist church that we have prided ourselves on is the autonomous local body that has autonomy to make and see decisions um, as far as the local church is concerned. And when we start to... police from the institution of the Southern Baptist Convention, 
we begin to, and when we begin to say, hey, your doctrine is not in line here, you're not practicing this correctly, we begin to take the autonomy out of the local church and we begin to have a centralized. Um, no, I disagree. I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we're, we're taking the autonomy out of the local church. I think we're saying, Hey, if you want to believe that, that's, we're not, we're not going to come in and tell you, uh, like physically bring in people and say, this is how you're going to have to do it. We're saying, we think you're wrong. Uh, and, and to be, in cooperation with us, uh, here's what you need to believe in. Right. You're, you're free to not believe in that, but then you're not in cooperation with us. Right. Um, yeah. I and and I agree with that. I agree with that, that wording is, you know, cooperation. Uh, but again, who's going to be the one that says, Hey, we're, we're breaking this off. See, I, I think what needs to happen is clear communication from, from the body of of the the churches that says here's here's what we where we are and and going and talking to these churches that may have different opinions and after a time of continued talk to them like this 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 group will with uh, with Rick Warren then ultimately we want that church to be restored back. But uh, through a time process and a period, um, you know, after us saying, "Hey, we, we don't recognize this as 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 in line with with the SBC," I think that they will remove themselves. And if they don't, then you know, obviously, there's a process for that as well. But but I I hate removing people until the diligence is done. Like if Paul would have been done with the Corinthian church, he would have said, Hey, I'm done with you. Look at all these things that are wrong with you. I'm done. What, which is not entirely what, what he did. He, he made, made them aware of the issues. And then he, he trust entrusted that the Lord was with them and that he would, he would convict them and restore them back. I think there's a part of this is that we have to believe that the spirit of the living God in these churches is either going to um, take them out, right? Like the, the spirit will, will, will not allow this to continue or, or they they'll be restored back into fellowship. Uh, that that's, that's my, that's my hundred percent thoughts on it. I, you know, all these issues are hard for me and you know this, Tim, because right we can talk through these issues all day, but what it comes down to is now is two churches or multiple churches or the Baptist churches are now arguing about uh, matters of, you know, youth pastor, youth director, you know, children's pastor, children's director, and they mean a lot, right? Because the scripture declares it. But again, because we're arguing over these issues, we're losing the battle of winning people to Christ, walking with them to maturity, showing them what the church ought to look like and how to live their life for the glory of God. And we're missing that because we're arguing over a youth director versus a youth pastor position. Now, 
I and our church, Northwest Baptist, uh, view that very importantly, youth pastor, youth director. But in the grand scheme of things, the person down the street who's wondering if if uh, their life uh, matters, the person down the street who who's kind of considering maybe walking into the church and 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 coming back to the Lord after years of of being in the wilderness, they're they're not necessarily concerned with that, and I and I believe that that hurts us in the long run. Um, so we need to shore up these things. We need to get it right, and we need to move on because, I, I mean, these cultural battles, right, are going to be there every step of the way for the church, and the church has to clearly teach the Word of God. Um, you know, I mean, we've got to clearly teach the Word of God and and what that means. So, Tim, what does it mean that... Uh, in First Timothy 2, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, gold or pearls, or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. If you're teaching that text, Tim, what are you saying to women who wear gold, are they allowed to wear gold? Are they not? I mean, is this text telling us that we should not wear gold into the church, and should they wear it outside of the church? How does this how does this relate to our culture today? Because these these texts of scripture, right? They mean something. They are important for us to understand and interpret correctly for the body. Let's talk about that one. I want to talk about that for a minute. Right now. Yeah, right. Now. Yeah, no. Well, this again, this is going to be one of these things. And this is why, um, you know, some of the tension is, is here's, here seems to be a, a pretty, uh, pretty direct command um, that we would, I think you and I would both say, like, we're not going to be, uh, have the earring police at the, at our doors as, as women walk in and say, oh, you got to, you got to take those earrings off. Those are too gaudy looking. Um, and so we we have a we 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 give a, a more cultural interpretation, uh, where it seems to be uh, women were coming to church and maybe you know treating it like it was a fashion show and they're trying to make it all about them and uh, and and so that's that's Peter right First Peter no it's that you First read? Timothy too it's right that's before. First Timothy okay okay yeah yeah First before, Timothy I don't, um, I don't Peter Peter talks about it as well but um, but so Paul is it seems that that Paul is saying. Hey, when you when you come to church, it's not about you. Uh, we need to come with a with a uh, spirit of humility. Uh, we need to come uh, as as people that are submissive to Christ and to His Word, and and that should affect uh, every aspect of our life. And so, I think today, if you know, it's 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 really about what's what's your heart disposition. Um, you know, I think I think we can always be. You know, if <laughs> You know, if, if, if we're asking the question, you know, if, if something that we're trying to put on and whether it's a, you know, whatever it is, whether it's for guys or girls, if we have to ask the question, is this appropriate? It's probably a good idea to, 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 to refrain, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah I think and, that's more, more of the heart of the issue. And, yeah, and, and I would say this, like, um, 
when you're looking at this passage, I would say, well, what does this mean, right? Like, should I never wear gold? Should I never braid my hair? It's, it's meaning don't don't come to church looking like either one, a prostitute, or number two, it's your wedding day, right? Right. right. I mean, both 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 events, right? Are you're 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 presenting yourself to a man, right? Well, you're presenting yourself to the Lord when you come to the church and in worship. Um, you, you, you're not to distract from the worship of the Lord. And so I think when we understand that, and then when we understand the next verse, right, which is, um, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, uh, then, then you understand what the previous verse is talking about, that we're here to worship the Lord. Um, we're not here to try to take over the meeting. Yeah. I mean, this is this is right like let's let's be real. What is this actually saying? Is a woman should, you know, should never talk in in church? No. We're talking about w- women uh trying to take over uh the meeting, take over the church, take over the the leadership, take over these things when when God has called us to be there for the worship of the Lord. And look look at the previous section. Men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. The, the same is true for man, right? Like yeah. women should learn, learn with respect and submissiveness. Man should not quarrel, should should pray, should humble himself, lifting holy hands in worship this is a this is a spirit of worship this is not a um you know uh uh you know a relinquishing of every person's ability to talk in the service and do all these things this is a spirit of worship you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and in the same way as we worship the lord god almighty we 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 respect um, the order in creation in which he's given and the order in his church. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And I believe that when you um, try to fit cultural perspectives into God's truth, um, you will you will eventually have chaos. I mean, you look back at uh, you look back at Israel, and when the nations were split, the king thought, well, I don't want all of the north of Israel, the ten tribes, going to Jerusalem to worship. Therefore, I will set up idols in Samaria and in another place uh, just so just so my people don't worship in Jerusalem, right? His idea of worship, his idea of trying to fit his cultural realm into the worship of the Lord uh, led to disaster and chaos for God's people. We can't do that. Yeah. We cannot yeah. do that. Yeah, no. Um, but you know what? You know, there's, this is where, um, you know, there's some difficult things that you have to interpret carefully within the scriptures and or else you can come to some pretty, um, I guess you could say fanatical viewpoints and, um, and, but this is why these, this issue is uh, why I think the committee in 
at the SBC wanted to pause. Like we need to get our ducks in a, in a row before we just make a, a, a very quick decision here. Um, we need to understand what's important. We need to understand um, what's, uh, what's at stake here, um, what we're getting ourselves into. Uh, and, and I think we have to be charitable with recognizing that there's uh, conservative Bible-believing individuals who have different takes on some of these passages. Uh, and we need to take all of these things into account and then speak with grace and charity towards one another. And then as a convention, determine uh, what, we're, how, what we're going to, to, to align with and what is going to be most important and where we kind of draw the line and where we say, look, yeah. these are doctrines that, you know, we, we will say that you're a brother and, and we will, you know, uh, see you in heaven one day. But as far as cooperating with us, um, we're going to ask you that to, to, to part ways. So Tim, um, one last question for you. Yeah. What is the end result? What is the finality of, of, of this as far as what, <clears throat> what is the pros and the cons of having women pastors? And, um, what does that bring about for or against in your church? Um, you know, what, what happens either, either way when churches decide to have women pastors and churches don't, what's, what are the, what are the consequences of that good or bad? So when you say women as pastors, are you talking about senior pastors or just any Uh, kind of pastoral type role in the church? Well, so I would say, Right. The line, my, my definition of understanding of this text of Scripture, 1 Timothy 2.13, is that any woman who is in the role of an elder, uh, overseer, or pastor um, okay. would be against the Word of God. So what is, what is the consequences of that uh, as for or against having that role? elder overseer or shepherd um as a as as considered a pastor in your church yeah i mean i i don't i don't know um specifics you know a lot of times it's just going to depend on the situation but if you're going against god's word that's never a good thing and i think it's going to cause consequences uh those consequences may be different for each church but it's a it's a um I would say it is a um, deliberate thing, and, and you're, you, you understand what the scripture says, uh, but you're saying, I don't agree with that. Now, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to do point to people like Gordon Fee, uh, who are egalitarians, who, who have a, a more reasoned approach to that passage, and they come to a different interpretation with a cultural understanding um, that this was something for a specific context in their day. Uh, and, and not a universal principle to follow. Uh, I get that. I can have some level of respect because you and I do that with other passages, uh, in scripture, uh, but I disagree with it. Uh, and so I think that's where it, that's where it gets difficult. If, if there's people, you know, if you're just, uh, uh, if you understand that that passage is saying, uh, a woman can't be pastor, but you're going to say, I'm going to do it anyway and I'm just going to disregard the scriptures, then that's seriously problematic. 
if you're somebody like Gordon Fee, who, who is wrestling with this text and is doing a whole bunch of cultural stuff and, and biblical stuff and, you know, pointing to, you know, well, the, the early church had prophetesses. What was their roles within the church? They seem to speak w- with some sort of level of authority within the church. Um, you have, you know, it's possible. I'm not sure that I agree with it, but it's possible that that in in the end of uh, Romans, that there's a woman who's who's has an apostolic um, title. Uh, again, not sure if I disagree with that, but that is a possible understanding. Um, so yeah, I think it depends on your heart. So I I, I would never uh, go to a church where the, where the woman is the senior elder or is on even in, in, in a plurality of elders, I would not. I would not choose to go to that church. Um, but as far as to what what it can, what can cause problems, I, I don't know. Um, but God can still work through <laughs> broken systems and work through people who are uh, not in line with His Word. And so, um, yeah. What What are your thoughts, Rob? Um. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I've I've done significant research on this, and and um, I I I again I I trust in the Lord. Um, you know, I believe that God knows what is best for us. Um. And understand his his word and his his promises are are good. Um, and I I look at my life and my wife's life and the wife of our uh, the life of our church and um, you know my wife is held in high regard in our church. Um, she's held in high regard in our home. She is a model of, of, of a woman who, um, loves the Lord, loves her husband and loves the church. And just to be honest with you, she's not striving for, a title she's not striving for publicity she's not striving for um, to be in the public spotlight limelight as she's not striving to make decisions for the church she's not striving to um, you know but when she teaches the word and she does often in women's ministry and and does things i mean she's extremely gifted right and she's extremely talented and she is content with who she is and what god has given her and she is uh, extremely um you know blessed by the lord and, um, you know, I mean, you can go read that Proverbs 31 passage and it's not like women are to kind of sit and do nothing and, and, you know, and be quiet. You know, it's, that's not, that's not what we're talking about at all. It's, it's the beauty of 
the submission of Christ in a woman's life that brings about the gospel for others to see. And when we understand that, right, when we understand that beauty uh, and accelerate that beauty and talk about that beauty within the body of Christ, then these cultural issues about um, what a woman looks like and what a woman should be, uh, they tend to fade away. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, one last thing that I just wanted to speak to before we, uh, before we, we end here um, regarding the convention. Um, Bart Barber was elected president. And there has been, oh man, there's a guy, Rob, do you know who Todd Friel is? You familiar with Todd Friel? He's a guy, he's got a, I think it's called Wretched Radio Podcast and came out with a video and just talked about, you know, oh, the SBC, it's, it's drifting liberal. And, and he called, he called, uh, he called Bart Barber the moderate uh, candidate. And I just, I'm like, I, you know, I, there's a lot of things that Todd Friel says that, that 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 are good, and I agree with him. But I was like, dude, you have not, you don't know anything about Bart Barber, because <laughs> there is not uh, a liberal bone in Bart Barber's body. Uh, he's a guy, both both theologically and uh, politically. Uh, he's 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 said publicly he's a Republican. He voted for Trump. If that you know anybody cares about that, and he had reasons for why. Um, he's he's a. Uh, expositor of the word of God. He holds a very high view of scripture and in the inerrancy, uh, a faithful pastor. And so, so to, to, if you're out there and you've, you know, maybe seen some things of that Bart Barber is a moderate, uh, just go listen to Bart Barber. Go, go look up. He's the pastor at First Baptist Farmersville, uh, Farmersville, Texas. It's in the DFW Metroplex area. Uh, I, actually, it's, it's more out in the country, but um, not, not too far from Dallas. And, uh, and, and go listen to him. And uh, he's very active on social media, so you can, you can hear a lot of his positions. He's very gracious, very kind. Um, we have some good friends that were members of his church for a long time. And uh, anyway, I uh, just want to say, if, it, if you think that Bart Barber is the moderate candidate, then I will say you do not know Bart Barber. Um, maybe he wasn't as... Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can say that Tom Askell, who's the other candidate, is more conservative than Bart Barber. They're very different. They have they have very different theological perspectives that they're coming from. But to say that one of those men is more conservative th- than the other is just it's just it's unhelpful. It's uh, it's it just tells me you have no clue uh, who these guys are. And so uh, I wanted to suggest that, and then. Um. Yeah. So, Rob, you probably have no clue who Bart Barber is, do you? <laughs> I'm 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 ready to get back to Genesis uh, after this week. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, well, hey, I think I think this is going to oh, be helpful yeah. for at least some of our listeners um, that that may have hear things and be concerned. We haven't and, talked about Roe v. Wade, Tim. Oh, that's right. That's right. Overturned. Uh, here's what I'm going to say to that. Uh, very thankful for this. Uh, the battle is really just begun now. Uh, because now it turns it turns everything back into the hands of the state, uh, and so each state uh, is gonna gonna have to make a decision on where they're gonna land. Um, and I just want to say this: we have you know we have different segments of uh, of the uh, I'll say 
uh, quote unquote pro-life, but you have the, you know, some uh, abolitionist uh, movement. We have some good friends that are uh, in, in that kind of camp that are, um, have been in that camp for a long time. I think there's some good things in that camp. And then you have the pro-life, which are, um, are, t- are, are okay with this kind of more incremental approach to ending abortion. I just want to say, we just got to get on the same page. We got to, we got to, every, all the leaders of these two movements, they just need to get in a room. They need to work out their differences. <laughs> they need to figure out where they disagree, why they disagree, work it out, get on the same page and, and let's put an end to abortion in, in, as many states as we possibly can. Um, so there, there's no, it's, there's no good in, in having us divided when, when we have the same end goal, my, my goal, you know, how, how it works politically. There's a lot of things I'm just not well researched on and how law works and, uh, what, what bills can do and what they can't do. I'm just, I'm, and so it's hard for me to speak authoritatively. Uh, but I know too many good people on both sides that they just need to get in a room together and work out their differences and then get united behind some things that can, um, that can put an end to abortion. Yeah. And and I think the, I think the work begins, right? Like, I don't think the work ended at this, this hearing, obviously in the state of Oklahoma, they're going to, they're going to abolish abortion. Um, Missouri, the state I'm currently in right now is that was the first state to abolish it. It's already abolished. It's done. So, so the the work begins now with the church, right? Like you, you have wanted to abolish abortion, and we should have. But now we're going to have children that are that are in need of adoption. We're going to have foster children that don't have a home, and the church has to step up and say, "We're going to put our money where our mouth is, and we're going to take care of these children that are born That's right. that are unwanted." That's right. Um, that's right. I mean, this is, this is where we are. So, you know, my, my, my talk to the church is not, Hey, let's continue this fight and let's, you know, push for as many States. My, my, my thought to the church is how many children are you going to take in? Yeah. Yeah. You know how how how, yeah. how are you going to? Oh, and I would say this. I would say that overall, it, it's what really we're what we're talking about at this point is right. what do we do with unwanted children? Do we kill them in the right. womb, or do we do we have people to place them with? And that's yeah. the church has to say we are we are for life. We are about these children living, and now we're willing to take them in. Yeah. And, and I would say there is certainly the church can do better. We can all do better at that. But to say that, you know, I've heard people say, well, you're just, uh, uh, you're just, you know, you don't care about the baby once the baby's born. I've heard, I've heard that accusation. Or you're just pro-life in the womb, but once, once they get out, you don't care. And I, and I, and I'm going to, I'm going to say that's, that's absolute crap. <laughs> Because, because I mean, how many, how many families do we know, solid Christian families that are foster families, that are sacrificing tremendously uh, to, to care uh, for, for any age child that open their homes up? So, so, so the church is very much a leader in this, in, in pro-life from, from womb to tomb. We are a leader in various capacities. Um, 
and and so so can we do better absolutely must we do better yes we must um but let's let's be grateful for uh, the the members of our churches that have a tremendous heart and passion for adoption and foster care. We've heard, we had we had you know Erskine on uh, a few weeks ago and 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 their their heart for for foster care and, and adoption and um, the church has done some good work in these areas. There's incredible ministries that that have created to to help um, to help the orphan and the powerless. And so we can be thankful for that and we can continue to press forward. Um, and and yeah, love uh, love all of our neighbors well. So, well, right. Tim, it's been uh, enjoyable. I think on this podcast, it's it's been out of my realm of uh, where I like to go. But uh, hopefully, those that are listening aren't gonna cut and paste what I say and plaster it all over the media and probably so. get me in the hot water. But at the end of the day, right? What we're talking about is. Um, you know, hard, hard cultural things that uh, oftentimes can be misconstrued, taken out of context, and used for people's purposes, either to disparage or to uh, promote their opinions. And uh, I would just like to say there's grace to be found in, as believers in Christ. Um, if you disagree with me, that's okay. Like if you if you're if you're a hundred percent in in disagreement upon me and Tim and what we've said here, we love you. We're thankful for you. Uh, we want you to walk with your God. Um, but at the end of the day, you know we have to make hard dis- decisions as pastors and uh, hard hard lines because we are we are called to teach the whole counsel of God and teach the truth of God's word uh, as best as we know how. Good stuff, Rob. Well, uh, to our listeners, thank you. Um, if you, uh, if you've enjoyed this, uh, we'd appreciate it. If you'd leave us a rating, give us some feedback. I know there's some people that have tried to do that on Spotify and I'm guessing it's, uh, uh, you've got to have a membership to Spotify to actually leave a review. I don't know. I don't know why that's not working, but um, uh, if you want to, you can hop over to Apple Podcasts and and give us a rating, leave us a review. That's helpful. Let's more people uh, hear about us and whatnot. So we're grateful for you, and uh, we will uh, we will see you next time, Rob. All right, signing off. The creed indeed. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Creed Indeed. We are a podcast seeking to discuss biblical truth and its application to everyday life. If you are enjoying the conversations that Rob and I are having, then we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and consider giving us a rating and some feedback as well as like our page on Facebook. That will allow us to better be able to interact with our listeners. Our theme music, entitled King of the Mountain, is by our dear friend Erskine Anavitarte. And our interlude and concluding music comes to you from a very talented husband and wife duo called Poor Bishop Hooper. All of their information can be found in the show notes below each episode. We want to close with this verse from Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Grace and peace.